Part two, chapter six of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sinkevich, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter six. Petronius to Vinicius have mercy o best beloved do not in thy letters pattern after the lacedaemonians or julius caesar of course couldst thou like him write i came i saw i conquered i might understand a laconism of this sort but thy letter means only this i came i saw i fled but such an outcome to any affair of thine would not consort with thy nature therefore as thou art wounded and as strange things have happened to thee i seek a fuller explanation scarce could i believe my eyes when i read that the lygian had strangled croto as easily as a scotch dog would kill a wolf in the ravines of ireland that man is worth his weight in gold if he wills he may easily become a favorite with caesar when i return to the city i shall seek a closer acquaintance with him and shall order him to be cast in bronze bronzebeard will burst with curiosity when i tell him the figure has been cast from nature really athletic bodies are becoming rare in italy and greece to say nothing of the orient the germans though of large stature have muscles covered with fat and are big rather than strong ask the lygian if he be an exception or if there are other men like him in his own country if thou or i were ever officially entrusted with the organization of the public games twould be a good thing to know where to seek for the best bodies but praise be to the gods both of the east and of the west that thou hast escaped alive from such hands of course thou didst escape because thou art a patrician and a man of consular dignity nevertheless all that has happened fills me with the greatest surprise that cemetery where thou foundest thyself among the christians they themselves their behaviour toward thee and later the escape of lygia finally that peculiar melancholy and unrest which pervaded thy short letter explain thyself fully for there are many things which i cannot understand thou wishest the candid truth i will add therefore that i can understand neither the christians nor thyself nor lygia marvel not that i who find interest in few things on earth save myself question thee so eagerly i am the cause of all that has happened so it is in some sort my affair write at once for i know not with certainty when we shall meet again bronzebeard's plans are as uncertain as autumn breezes he is now in benevent he announces that he will go to greece and not to rome tigellinus however advises him to return for a brief period as the people yearning for his presence read four games and bread may haply find relief in rebellion so i know not what may happen should we decide on achaea we may then want to see egypt i should urge thee as strongly as possible to come here for i see that in thy present mood the journey hither and our recreations would benefit thee but thou runst the risk of not finding us consider therefore whether it would not be better for thee to seek rest on thy sicilian estates than to remain in rome i send no wishes save for thy health because by pollux i know not what to wish thee 
on receipt of this letter vinitius felt at first no desire to answer it an answer seemed useless it would benefit no one it would explain nothing discouragement and a sense of the utter futility of human life weighed him down in any case petronius would be utterly incapable of understanding him a great gulf seemed to have opened between them he could not adjust his own mind to his present mood after his return from the trans tiber to his beautiful island in carinus he was still weak and exhausted for the first few days he found some enjoyment in mere rest amid the comfort and plenty that surrounded him but this enjoyment was short-lived again he felt the emptiness of his life all which had formerly interested him had either ceased to exist for him or had shrunk to infinitesimal proportions he felt that all the soul ties which had bound him to life had been cut and that no new ones were possible at the thought of going to beneventum and then to achaea to immerse himself in that life of luxury and mad excess a sense of emptiness overcame him wherefore should i do this what shall i gain these were the questions that suggested themselves and for the first time in his life the thought of the conversation of petronius his very wit his brilliancy his exquisite precision of thought and phrase wearied him but solitude also wearied him all his friends were with nero in beneventum he was condemned to loneliness at home with a head full of thoughts and his heart full of emotions which he could neither analyze nor explain there were times when he longed for some one to whom he might pour out all these thoughts and sensations in the hope that he might be able to grasp them to coordinate them and to make them yield up their meaning under this hope after some days of hesitation he decided to answer petronius and though uncertain whether another letter would come in return he put his into the following words it is thy wish that i should answer thee more fully so be it but as to whether i can do this clearly i know not for there are many snarls which i find it impossible to disentangle i have told thee of my stay among the christians of their treatment of their enemies among whom myself and chilo might be rightly reckoned finally of the kindness with which they nursed me and of the disappearance of lygia no dear friend i was spared not because i am a man of consular dignity such considerations have no weight with them they forgave even chilo whom i had counselled them to bury in the garden these are people whose light the world has never seen their creed is one whose light the world has never heard i can say nothing more but he who measures them with our measures will fall into error why i tell thee that had i been lying with a broken arm in my own home nursed by my own people or even by my own family i might certainly have enjoyed greater comfort but not half the care which i received from them know this also that lygia is such as they were she my sister or my wife she could not have nursed me with greater tenderness more than once joy filled my heart for i thought love and love alone could inspire such tenderness more than once i have read it in her face and then wilt thou believe me among these plain people in that poverty-stricken chamber kitchen at once and dining-room i felt more happiness than i had ever known no her feeling toward me is not of indifference to this day i cannot think it and yet that same lygia escaped secretly from miriam's house on my account i sit all day with my head buried in my hands pondering why she did this 
have i told you that i myself offered to return her to the auli she answered that this was now impossible as the auli had gone to sicily and as the news of her return carried from house to house by the slaves would finally reach the palatine so that caesar might demand her again from the auli but she knew well that i would make no further attempts on her that i had abandoned all thought of force that unable to cease from loving her unable also to live without her i would willingly lead her to my house through a garlanded door and seat her on a sacred skin at my hearth and still she disappeared wherefore no further danger menaced her if she loved me not she could reject me only the previous day i had met an extraordinary man one paul of tarsus who spoke to me of christ and his creed and spake with such forcefulness that it seemed to me that every word would unwittingly reduce to ashes the very bases of our world the same man visited me after her flight and said to me when god opens thine eyes to the light and removes the scales from them as he removed them from mine then thou wilt see that what she did was right and then perchance thou wilt find her again and i am puzzling over those words as though i had heard them from the lips of the pythoness at delphi sometimes a faint comprehension visits me these people though loving humanity hate our life our gods and our crimes so she fled from me as a man belonging to this world and one with whom she could at best but share a life that was criminal in the eyes of christians thou wilt say that as she might reject me she had no need for flight but suppose she loves me in that case she sought to flee from love at the very thought of this the wish fills me to send my slaves into every alley in rome crying in every house lygia come back but again i fail to understand why she did this i would not have forbidden her to worship christ nay i myself would have created an altar to him in the great hall one more god what harm could he do me why might i not believe in him i who have scant faith in the old gods i am certain that the christians never lie and they say that he rose from the dead no man could do this paul of tarsus who is a roman citizen but who as a jew is conversant with the ancient hebrew scriptures has declared to me that the advent of christ was foretold for thousands of years by the prophets all these are uncommon things but does not the uncommon environ us on all sides the fame of apollonius of tyana is not yet dead what paul affirms that there is but one god and not a crowd of them seems rational to me seneca probably holds the same opinion many others held it before him christ was he allowed himself to be crucified for the redemption of the world he rose again from the dead all this is certain i see no reason therefore why i should stubbornly insist on a contrary opinion why i should not erect an altar to him when i am quite ready to erect one for example to serapis nor would it be difficult for me to renounce all the other gods for no rational intellect now accepts them but all this it seems does not suffice the christians it is not enough to render homage to christ one must live in accordance with his teachings and so one stands as on the shore of a sea which one is ordered to walk on afoot should i promise to do so they themselves would feel the promise to be a mere empty sound upon my lips 
paul openly acknowledged this thou knowest i love lygia that there is naught i would deny her but even at her bidding i could not lift soracti or vesuvius upon my shoulders nor hold lake thrasinomy in my palm nor change my eyes from black to blue like those of the lygians at her behest i might be willing but these things are beyond my powers i am no philosopher and i am no fool either though i may appear so to thee but i know this that where christian teaching begins rome's dominion ends rome ends the old life ends the distinction between vanquished and victor between the mighty and the poor between master and slave ends government ends caesar law and the order of the world end and in lieu of all this comes christ with a charity never before extant and a kindliness opposed to all human and all roman instincts true i care more for lygia than for all rome and all its dominions let the whole world fall so long as i possess her in my own home but that is another matter for the christians a mere verbal consent will not suffice one must feel that their creed is right one must banish all things else from one's soul and the gods be my witnesses this to me is impossible dost thou comprehend what i mean there is something in my nature which revolts from this creed though my lips praised it though i conformed my life to its precepts my reason and my soul would tell me that i did so for love's sake for lygia's sake and were it not for her nothing in the world would be more abhorrent to me strange to say paul of tarsus understands this and peter understands this peter who despite his simplicity and his lowly origin is the greatest among them peter who was the disciple of christ knowest thou what they are doing lo they are praying for me they are imploring for me the gift of something they call grace yet nothing came from it at all so far as i am concerned save a strange unrest and a wilder longing for lygia i told thee she fled secretly but she left behind her a cross which she had made for me out of two bits of boxwood on awakening i found it by my bed i now keep it in my sanctuary and i cannot tell what strange feelings of awe and reverence come over me when i approach it i love it because her hands bound it i hate it because it divides us at times it seems to me as if there were some sorcery at the bottom of this whole affair and that this peter though he styles himself a simple fisherman is mightier than apollonius and than all of his predecessors and that it was he who cast a spell upon all of us upon lygia pomponia and myself thou hast noticed in my previous letters signs of disquietude and melancholy melancholy there must be because i have lost her again and disquietude because a great change has come over me i tell thee frankly that nothing can be more repugnant to my nature than this creed yet from the time that i first encountered it i have failed to recognize my old self is this sorcery or is it love circe transformed human bodies by a touch by a touch my soul has been transformed only lygia could do this or rather lygia acting through the strange creed that she professes when i returned home from the christians no one expected me it was thought that i was in beneventum and would be away for a while disorder reigned i found the slaves drunk at a banquet which they had spread in my dining-room death was sooner expected than i and would have affrighted them less 
thou knowest with how strong a hand i rule my house all threw themselves on their knees some fainted from fright canst thou guess what i did my first thought was to call for rods and hot irons immediately shame seized me canst thou believe it i absolutely felt pity for those wretches among them are old slaves whom my grandfather marcus vinitius brought from the banks of the rhine in the days of augustus i locked myself up alone in the library and still stranger thoughts visited me namely that after all i had heard and seen among the christians it was not meet for me to act as formerly i had acted toward my slaves that slaves also are human beings for several days they moved around in mortal fear believing that i had suspended punishment only in order to devise some still more ingeniously cruel one but i did not punish them i did not because i could not on the third day i summoned them to my presence i forgive you i said strive ye now with loyal service to make amends for your offence with streaming eyes they fell upon their knees moaning they stretched out their hands they called me master and father and i i say this with shame i was equally moved at that moment it seemed as if i saw the sweet face of lygia her eyes were moist with tears thanking me for that deed and beshrew me if i did not feel mine eyes moisten in turn canst thou guess what i am about to confess to thee that i am lost without her that all is ill with me that i am in simple fact unhappy and that my sorrow is greater than thou canst conceive as to my slaves one thing struck me the forgiveness they had received did not make them insolent nor weaken discipline among them on the contrary fear has never aroused them to such willing service as gratitude they do not merely serve now they seem to vie with one another in the effort to divine my very wishes i mention this for the reason that on the day previous to my departure from the christians i had said to paul that society would fall apart as a result of his teachings like a cask without hoops paul returned love is a stronger hoop than fear and now i see that in some cases he may be right i have verified it in the case of certain clients who flocked to greet me on my return you know i have never been niggardly with my clients but my father on principle acted arrogantly toward them and taught me the same behavior but now taking note of their threadbare cloaks and hungry faces i had a feeling for them akin to pity i ordered food to be brought them i conversed familiarly with them i asked them after their wives and children i saw tears spring to their eyes and again i felt that lygia saw all this that it gave her pleasure that she praised it am i losing my mind or is love bewildering me i know not i only know that i have a constant feeling that she is gazing on me from afar and i am afraid to do anything that might pain or offend her yes caius my soul is changed sometimes i am glad of it sometimes i torment myself with the fear that i am losing my old-time manliness my old-time energy and that perchance i am already unfit not only for counsel for the judgment seat and for the banqueting hall but even for the battlefield doubtless here is some strange sorcery 
so greatly am i changed that i even own to thee what passed through my mind as i lay sick that if lygia were like to nigidia poppaea crispinilla or to others of our divorced women were she similarly vile merciless and light-minded i could not love her as i do but as i love her for the sake of that which divides us thou wilt divine what chaos has arisen in my soul what darkness environs me how hidden is the path before me how uncertain my future if my life be compared to a spring unrest instead of water flows in that spring i live only in the hope of seeing her sometimes i think this sight must be vouchsafed me but what will happen during the next year or two i know not nor can i guess i will not leave rome i could not abide the society of the augustales besides the only comfort in my melancholy and my unrest is the thought that i am near lygia and that through glaucus who promised to visit me or through paul of tarsus i may occasionally gain some news of her nay i would not leave rome even were ye to offer me the governorship of egypt know also that i ordered a sculptor to carve a stone monument for gulo whom i slew in my wrath too late came the thought that he had borne me in his arms and had been the first to teach me how to put the arrow to the bow i know not why the memory of him arose in me a memory resembling reproach and remorse if thou marvellest at what i write i reply to thee that i marvel no less but i write the candid truth farewell end of part two chapter six